the Enduring Churches podcast with Alan and Trent. I'm Alan and I'm here with Trent and we're here in the summertime thinking about weddings. Uh, Trent, part of a part of a lasting ministry is uh, this time of year you're going to be asked inevitably to do weddings and you and I we've we've done plenty of them. We've got some funny stories to go along with them. We've got some sad stories to go along with them and uh, and a lot of experiences that we have uh, learned from. So what do you say? What do you, what do you say we talk about premarital counseling and weddings and all that fun stuff today? That sounds great. Yeah, we ought to do a podcast episode just on all the crazy stuff we've experienced at weddings and all that. I mean, there's some nuts stuff, but we don't have time to do that today, Alan. So the question I have for you, if you're listening to this and you're a pastor, is um, if someone asks you to do a wedding, do you have a plan? Um, a lot of people, unfortunately, maybe um, pastor, you, either you haven't done it before or um, you just don't do very many weddings. Um, maybe you're the pastor of a mostly senior congregation and you're probably not going to be asked to do a lot of weddings. But um, this is an area that uh, Dana and I um, have done a bunch of. We've done so many weddings because part of the part of our ministry was college ministry and uh, it just kind of flows there. Uh, so today we're going to, Alan, we're going to kind of walk through a plan that someone could use. And we, we won't talk much about a lot of these things, but we want to ask you to go look at the show notes. We'll have everything there for you and the whole thing laid out. Yeah, show notes are sometimes important, sometimes not important if you listen, but this is one I would encourage you to come by and make a copy of them, put them, put them somewhere. We like to use Evernote, find some way um, to use those. So Trent, when someone comes to you and says, "Hey, we want to we want to get married," the first thing you and I both learned years ago is that if you don't do premarital counseling, your chances of a successful marriage fall significantly. So let's talk a little bit about the role of premarital counseling. Tell us tell us what your experience has told you about that. Well. Um I think it's hugely important. I know that the um, Nick Howard, who did Dana and I's premarital counseling before we got married, and he did the wedding ceremony, um, that saved us so many fights. And so that became our goal um, as we followed his example is that we wanted to do premarital counseling to save people fights later. So I think that's one of the main things. And, and I would say I, I required if you want me to do the wedding, I'm going to require that you go through premarital counseling with me. Um, and so we'll talk a little bit about what all that entails. But the first thing, the reason is to save fights um, and to keep that marriage strong. Um, the second thing, too, though, is uh, it really, you get an opportunity to, to get to know the couple. Sometimes you don't know them well, or maybe you know one and not the other. But this gives you an opportunity to see if they truly are evenly yoked, as 2 Corinthians 6.14 tells us. Um, and so if they're not, and that means if they're not both believers or they're not, um, one may be a mature believer and the other's not, then you have the opportunity to share Christ with them, uh, to begin a relationship so that you can uh, disciple them, disciple one or the other, and help them to grow. 
um, that relationship also um, gives you an opportunity for someone and every every marriage struggles at, from time to time. And so if you develop that relationship, it gives them someone that they can feel comfortable coming to and asking questions to later on when they are struggling. So did you ever have a couple come to you and when you told them, you know, you're going to require counseling that they decided it wasn't worth having you do, do the wedding? Yeah, I had I had a couple of um, couples that they didn't follow through, um, you know, especially when I told them that I required premarital counseling and all that was involved, um, you know, they didn't want to do that or they had already planned that their wedding was going to be next week. And I'm like, well, good. I hope that you find someone who will do that for you. Um, but yeah, it's an important deal. Yeah. So you, you have to be willing to kind of put your line in the sand of this is where, this is what I require. And that's part of why you have a plan. Because again, if you can show this is what my plan is, then then you're able to, to lay that out, lay that out for people. One of the other ones I used to get, Trent, um, you know, every now and then there'd be a, a couple who one or both parties had been through a divorce or one had been one had been a widow or widower and they came to me wanted to get married and that they would inevitably say to me when I, I we need to do premarital counseling or premarital discussions that oh mm-hmm. I've been married before. I, I know all that stuff. <laughs> and I think, um, well, you know, if you keep doing the same thing you've always done, you're gonna get what you got last time. And you know, sadly, sadly, that played out to be true in, in a, a lot of people's lives. But, you know, yeah, pe- people don't talk about what it takes to make a successful marriage. And we can't assume that people know how to have healthy relationships, especially a healthy marriage marriage relationship. So it, it is important. Well, the example that you just mentioned about somebody who's been married prior to this and, and been through a divorce uh, or lost a, a spouse. Um, this is, I increased the number of meetings. Um, so some people would, a pastor might ask, you know, when should you start premarital counseling? And that really depends on, have they been, is this the first marriage for both of them? Um, then I would say you need to start about three months ahead of time. And we're going to go through six sessions at least. If they have been in previous marriages or one or both of them have, then I'm going to increase that to eight sessions. Um, because unfortunately, when somebody's been married before, you have to um, retrain them because they may think that they know how things work, um, but evidently they don't um, because here they are in a second or third or whatever marriage. And so you've got to work through some of those issues that were maybe developed bad habits. And maybe your plan, you don't, you don't allow for yourself to do those weddings. I know you and I, we both took it as a ministry opportunity when we had an opportunity to minister to couples. And so we took, we, we would take that opportunity. You have to follow certainly the convictions of your heart um, when it comes to that. But yeah, you you had a friend who um, had an even harder stance yeah, they require counseling before engagement for him to even do the wedding. Yeah, we we um, got to know a pastor that his his stance was that yeah he wouldn't he wouldn't wait until engagement because 
he was going to find out if this couple really would stick together. And when it, when a couple's engaged and they've already set the date for the wedding, you you can't talk them out of it. And that may sound bad, but some couples that I've met with, and maybe you have too, Alan, they're, they needed to be talked out of uh, a wedding ceremony because they were, it was not going to be good. And so this friend of mine, he would say, you know, he would do pre-engagement counseling. If you're considering being engaged, then let's talk. But uh, when the engagement or at least setting the date for the wedding, that was, it was too far into it for him to, to meet with you. Yeah, I, w- I would usually start is whenever a couple came and talked to me, I would start as soon as I could. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was kind of kind of my plan is I wanted I wanted it to happen as quickly as it could. And, and then we would usually set the number of sessions based on their schedule, based on how long they'd known each other, how long they dated. You know, the less dating they had done, the, the more I would lengthen it out. And the more sessions I would typically typically put in, and those type of things, always had formal and a mixture of formal and informal um, get-togethers too. Mm-hmm. You know, tried not to make them all just like sitting in an office going over stuff, but we would try to do some that were maybe a little more relaxed as well. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, Alan. We Dana and I would we would have them over for dinner, or, you know, and do some some laid-back things or. One couple we met with, they liked to walk. And so we walked around the high school track together several times, several laps while we were just talking about marriage issues. Um, I wanted to mention, we, we kind of skirted the issue of pre-marriage, of other marriages in the past. Um, we, you and I, Alan, we did a, a episode, episode 157, where we interviewed um, Bill and Jen Rogers that have a step family Mission Possible Ministry, and they have some great podcasts. Um, I just want to point them out. Um, if you are, a, you know, blending two families, uh, coming into a second marriage, they are a great resource, and I would really encourage you to check them out. So that was Alan, a great conversation and a helpful conversation. So please uh, check that. Do check that out if you're in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. So. Another question that um, I've been asked by pastors is what should happen during counseling sessions? And and a couple of quick things that I think are important is we always limited them to one hour um, and 30 minutes. We'd start with um, ceremony planning. Uh, we'd take the first 30 minutes and just a little bit at a time as we met over those several sessions. We would um, talk through the ceremony and, and always told the couple Hey, what do you want it to be? Not what your mom wants it to be, but what do you want the wedding to be? And um, so that was the first 30 minutes. In the second 30 minutes, we did counseling, talking through marriage issues. And and, um, sometimes as you're talking about the ceremony, there may come up issues that you need to talk about in the uh, counseling part as well. Yeah, it's usually two different sets of expectations on a ceremony come into every every wedding. Um, Mm -hmm. People have it idea of what a wedding should look like now i do think today it's changed a little bit trent because so many more people are are opting for simple weddings i've seen you know i think on the backside of covid people are maybe one of the positives about it is recognizing that marriage is not 
maybe the best start for your marriage is not spending every dime you have on a ceremony and maybe doing something more simpler with your family and friends so that you can have a nice honeymoon or that you can get off to a good start financially. And, and uh, I don't view that as a negative because I think mm -hmm. far too many people, far too many people are more concerned about the ceremony than they actually are the, the wedding and the marriage itself. And so, you know, I, I that's kind of one thing that I've seen that maybe has changed is that there's some people saying, now, how simple can we make? You know, I, but early on, no one asked, how simple can we do this? But that is a <laughs> yeah. question that I've asked in the last few years. You know, how, how can we do this simply and inexpensively? Yeah, I think there's some wisdom in that. And I know that this is not a hard and fast statistic, but I, I, I've seen it. Um, in several cases, that the more you spend on a marriage ceremony, the less likely the marriage is to last. And that sounds very negative, I just, but I, I, I don't know, maybe just people trying to overcompensate for their lack of relationship, they put on the dog, you know, and so I, I, I agree, I, doing something simple, but heartfelt. And, you know, I think that's, that's very valuable. So, Alan, I know that you and I both have used uh, this tool, I believe. Um, people ask, what do we use to do premarital counseling? And Dana and I had our own list of relevant topics. Uh, but we found that SIMBIS, which stands for Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts by Drs. Les and Leslie Parrott, is a wonderful tool. It gives a really good printout for the couple to use. There's there's no other tool out there in my mind that can, can compete um, with it for its productivity. The response I've had from people in using that um, has just been terrific. And I don't mean this to be just an advertisement for them. The same type of research that it's gone into like online dating resources or all this kind of stuff to, to truly come up with logarithms that, that find people who are truly compatible with one another. It's that same detailed, intricate type work that went together that when these couples answer these questions, it really does align them. And they're amazed at how well it picks out those conversation pieces. Yeah, and each of the sessions or sections that it covers, it will pick out some areas that might be a source of conflict that you should focus on as a counselor with that couple. And that's, I think that's really valuable. So it, it does that searching for you. And so what happens is the couple, they do each on their own, they go online, they do a, a questionnaire, and then the printout comes to you and uh, as their counselor, and you get to work through that and you take just one section at a time in each of your sessions. And uh, it, it's so helpful. Uh, so I, I'm with Alan. I really would recommend that you look into Simpus. It's a great tool. And it's fun. I, I think the couples have fun doing it. It, it actually puts the uh, sessions on a in a very positive light. And so, yeah, you can actually type in Simbus and it'll it'll take it to you. It costs um, it's a nominal fee to um, to get certified to do it. But well, well, well um, worth that in your minute. Yeah. I think it's, I can't remember, but right now for the, for a couple to go through the, the Simbus assessment, it's like $35. And so um, I, and I would, I would agree with you, Alan, that the guys found it to be fun and, 
And if you can get the guys invested and involved in it, man, you're on it. Because usually the young ladies, they've spent way more time thinking about this whole marriage and wedding thing than the guys have. So uh, this is a it's a it's a big deal. So, Alan, let's kind of draw this to a close. I want to talk about the wedding rehearsal and the wedding day. Um, I have seen people just beat a dead horse to death on this wedding rehearsal thing and take forever when it doesn't need to be. And if you'll follow what I'm about to tell you, rehearsals can be easy and um, way more fun. And so, so for the wedding rehearsal, this is why you spend those 30 minutes each session working through the and getting the ceremony planned together with the couple. Because rehearsal is not the time to make decisions about the wedding ceremony. You should already have all that laid out. So, um, and I would say, if possible, have the wedding rehearsal before the rehearsal dinner. Um, or, excuse me, have, have the rehearsal dinner afterwards. Af no, no, I'm saying it backwards. Cut. <laughs> So for the wedding rehearsal, I would senior moment, senior moment. Yeah, <laughs> um, I would have the rehearsal after the rehearsal dinner because I've seen so many times where people are, are waiting and waiting and waiting for the dinner because the rehearsal's going on and it's taken two hours. I'm I'm telling you now, you can do a rehearsal in thirty minutes and be done. Um, and so, but make sure that you have the rehearsal dinner first then have the rehearsal because then everybody can that's in the wedding party can go and do all their stuff. But here's, here's the way you do it in 30 minutes. So first of all, you gather everybody together in the wedding venue. You introduce yourself as the minister to the family and the wedding party and pray. Then you place everyone on the stage and you get the bride's approval for the placement. Make sure that she likes it because the guy really doesn't care. Ask the young lady, <laughs> and then she'll give her a thumbs up. Then you practice leaving at the end of the ceremony. You know, how's everyone going to leave? Then you have, you turn around and you practice entering and getting back into those places where you had them before. Then as the minister, you talk through the schedule, make sure everyone knows what they're doing, you know, such as who's got the rings, who's handing off a bouquet to, who's fluffing the dress or whatever. Make sure all that's talked through. And um, then here's, here's a warning. Um, one of the moms is inevitably going to try to make a decision or change something during the rehearsal. And here's what you do. As a minister, you say to them, I really appreciate your ideas, but this is how the couple would like things to happen. And so we're going to stick with their plan. And so you're, you're respectful, but you basically say to them, Hey, butt out, this is the couple's wedding. Um, and so uh, you do that. And then the last thing you do is tell everyone what time to be there uh, for pictures the next day or whenever the wedding is and uh, make sure somebody brings the marriage license too. Yeah, I think the biggest mistake trend I see in, in wedding rehearsals is, is going through every little part over and over and over again. You mm -hmm. you should have already kind of done all that part with the couple. 
it's focused on the couple. The other people are standing there for the most part. And you don't really have to practice apart from you tell people, don't lock your knees so you don't pass out. <laughs> right. You tell the guys <laughs> how, to, how to place their hands and all that kind of stuff. But really, you just need to get everyone in and out in the right way. And, and you can control the flow of the ceremony because you've already scripted it and it's already been set up to work. And so you don't have to take a whole lot of time with that. Now, it does get more complicated. Sometimes there is a wedding planner that you have to work with. And uh, that almost always lengthens out the pro process significantly. And you, you kind of have to, you just kind of have to deal with that. But then in those cases, my part is, okay, I'm, I'm going in, you know, if rehearsals at seven, what time do you need me? And I'd usually try to, okay, I'm leaving after that. And I don't usually stick around for rehearsal dinners on those or, or anything mm -hmm. like that. So, you know, that yeah. just changes the well, and if you have a wedding planner, I would meet with that person or before the wedding rehearsal and just make sure you're on the same page. Uh, that will save a lot of that struggle as well. And then, of course, you've got the wedding day, Alan. Um, you know, just check in with the bridal party, the bride and her ladies. Just make sure that everybody's there and, you know, ask, see if there's any questions. Uh, check in with the groom and his dudes. See if they have any questions. Um, when you're talking to both of those groups, make sure the rings are there and make sure the marriage license is there. Um, and, uh, and make, make sure the, for the marriage license and getting it turned in. If yes, they're going on a two-week two trip, someone else is going to have to get that turned in for them. Um, but I'd encourage you, Pastor, don't let that be you. You don't want to be mm -hmm. responsible for someone else's marriage license. So if they say, could you do this? Um, that's that's what a parent, let a doting parent you know, take care of that one for you. But don't don't let you, let yourself be be that person. Now, Trent, on the wedding day, how how long do you typically stick around for for the aftermath <laughs> for the for the reception and all that stuff? I you know it depended on if we knew the couple real well, if they were part of our church or part of our own family then we would stay for, for a while, you know, but I would, I never stayed, you know, for the entire reception, you know, I would stay for a little bit. If they're having a meal, of course, I'm going to eat. Um, but then we would head out and let them enjoy the evening, you know, so. Yeah. I usually didn't stick around if the squirrel and dumplings were coming out like they did at my first, the first wedding I did, you know, <laughs> I need to that, but, um, yeah, we, we didn't stick around very long for the most part. Um, you know, I think one of the mistakes we can make as pastors is feeling like we're, we're kind of the center of stage of that, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let them have their day. It's not about you. Um, and so the more the more we can fade into the background, the, the better the better off we are. You do have to make sure, you know, a lot of times you're asked to do weddings out of town or this or that. Make sure that, that you know, the county our state's filing system and that you are in compliance with that. More and more states don't have much in the way of, of standards there, but you do need to know that in case you do need to go down to a courthouse and file in advance of doing that. So make yeah. sure, make sure you know that, but, but yeah. it is, it's important part of ministry and it, you can really, 
if you want to have an enduring ministry, you're going to do weddings and you're going to do funerals and you need to be competent in those skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, show as you're doing those things, especially in the rehearsal, you know, be confident and lead people into what they're supposed to do. Um, this is, it's a great opportunity. Um, marriages, wedding ceremonies are, are a great opportunity to um, be there and part of maybe a family that's in your church. Um, but again, I would, we've got a whole bunch more of this stuff that we've, I've written out. Um, it'll be on our show notes. Please go and uh, download that. And uh, if you have questions, just contact us and we'll, we'll give you all the insights we possibly can. Yep. So just say I do. I went to, to, the, to the, how you do weddings and know that you do them well. So we're grateful that you take time to uh, walk alongside us as we try to walk along you in, in ministry so you can have an enduring ministry. And so we hope you find that weddings don't have to be kind of a drudgery, but can be a real joy. And if you have a plan, you're going to enjoy them a lot more. So thanks for joining us and we'll look forward to catching you on our next episode.